Saints, we started, uh, it's been, this is like the third week now we've been talking about purpose, amen? And I just want to continue in that vein. I want to uh, rehearse very quickly one of our main statements. It was a question. We started this series with a question. And the question was simply this. Is there anything worse than death? Is there anything worse than death? And the reply was, yes, life without purpose. Life without purpose. We determined that life without purpose is like an unsharpened pencil. It simply has no point. I said it has absolutely no point. And so before I get into what I got for you today, let me do a quick recap for those of you who were not here last week and perhaps missed this. I'm just going to give you the points. I'm going to read them off to you, and I'm just going to take off where we left off. Amen? Hallelujah. Put the first one on the board very quickly. I am sustained as I walk in purpose. I am sustained as I walk in purpose. Notice what the disciples tell Jesus. Jesus, have you eaten? You need food. You need sustenance. And Jesus said, I have food or meat you know not of. And, and just in case they were confused, he, he lets them know what that meat was. He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am sustained by purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As I walk in purpose, I am sustained. As long as I work, walk in purpose, I don't have to worry about anything. And last, last week, we went into debt on what that meant. Hallelujah. I can't do it today. You're going to have to get the CD. Give me the next one real quickly. God uses attacks to accelerate you. I got a few amens this week. Last week, I didn't get any. God uses attacks to accelerate you. If you don't believe me, just study the life of Job. Hallelujah. When you hear God say, and it was God who said it, have you considered my servant Job? And it's him who's initiating the conversation with Satan because he's getting ready to accelerate Job's life. And the thing he's going to use to do it is an attack. I said it's an attack. When God gets ready, hallelujah, to deliver Israel, watch this, uh, out of uh, a famine, he needs a Joseph in Egypt. In order to get Joseph in Egypt, watch this, he doesn't send friends, he sends foes. You know the story, Joseph's own brothers attack him, but God uses the attack to accelerate his life. Are you in this place, church? Amen. Next one. Beware the dangers of trying to make your prophecy come to pass. Now, you might have a word over your life, amen? Uh, the mistake you don't want to make is to try to make that happen on your own especially make it happen ahead of schedule. Are you following what I'm saying? You were here last week when I said, how many of you understand you cannot eat dinner for breakfast? You cannot eat dinner for breakfast. Why? Because it's too early. It's not that the food is not good. It's just too early. And if you eat dinner for breakfast, chances are your stomach cannot take it and you end up losing it. One way or another. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? Listen, it's not that it's not good. It's just too early. It is the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son will tell you, 
I got something good, but I got it too early. Talking about his inheritance. Let me take it a step further. Not only was it good, it was mine. It was good and it was mine, but I got it too early. And because I got it too early, I lost all of it. So beware of the danger of trying to make your own prophecy come to pass on your own. Which leads me to where we are today. Amen. Please, that first point I gave you is so important. You are sustained as long as you walk in purpose. Get last week's CD, hallelujah, and we went to town on that. But where we finished last week was simply where Jesus is in a boat, he's sleeping, and the Bible says that a storm arose. Now, we went to the text last week, and we showed you the kind of storm that hit this boat. It wasn't just a storm. It was a crazy storm. The Bible says that the water got in the boat. Not only did the water get in the boat, the water got in the boat until the boat was full of water. No wonder even the expert fishermen, including Peter, left the helm, let the ship go out of control, and feared for their lives. They went to Jesus, watch this, and found him sleeping. In the worst kind of storm. And they prayed the kind of prayer that we sometimes pray and won't admit. They prayed, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? Oh, y'all looking at me funny. Uh, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Don't you see what's transpiring in my life right now? Are you not around? Don't you care? Nobody ever prayed like that? And Jesus wipes the sleep out of his eyes, rebukes the storm, and then rebukes them. And says, ye... Of little faith. Why? Because from the very beginning, Jesus gave them a word and said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. That was the word that Jesus gave them. Listen to the word. Get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. What Jesus was saying to them, in essence, was we were going to get there anyway. Oh, God, have mercy in here. We were going to get there despite the storm. As a matter of fact, to assume you're going to get there absent of storms is ridiculous. But despite the storms that arise to try to stop you from getting to your destination, hallelujah, if you just hold on to my word, we would have gotten there regardless. But since you woke me up, let me do something unnecessary so that I can teach you something about purpose. And so he rebuked the storm as to say, as long as you walk in purpose, not even hell can conjure up a storm that's greater than the purpose of God over your life. And so you need to develop the kind of attitude like Jesus, hallelujah, that says even death cannot threaten or intimidate a man or a woman who has discovered their purpose. Jesus had an attitude that said, I can't die until I'm done. And we should develop that same kind of purpose. Amen? Now, let me get into what I have for you today. Put my next point up there very quickly. Perspective seasoned with experience teaches you what not to worry about. Ooh, that's deep. Perspective seasoned with experience will teach you what not to worry about. 
I'm going to come down because I feel like coming down. I don't know. I feel like you guys are too far from me today. I'm coming down here. Listen, stop energizing your enemies. I said, let me look somebody in the face in here. Stop energizing your enemies. Watch this now with your focus. Because whether you know it or not, sometimes you are energizing your enemies, watch this, by focusing on what they're doing. And while you are focusing on what they're doing, you are now distracted from what God is doing. And so I want to submit to somebody in here, make sure you put all your efforts into that which is productive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to use Joe. Joe, stand up. He didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Watch this. Watch this. Joe is a blessed man. Oh, yes, he is. He is. Now, let's say Joe is extremely blessed, and I'm not. And I'm not. And I don't kind of like the idea of how blessed he is. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of hating on him a little bit. And when he's not looking, he don't know it. I might even be saying something to somebody about how blessed he is in a negative way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, he could find out about it, but because he's blessed and I'm not, he needs to be the bigger person. Watch this now. If he talks back to my hateful self and he begins to entertain and address what I'm doing... Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's going to give light to me and he's going to give life to what I'm doing. What he needs to do because he's blessed is turn around and ignore what I'm doing. Knowing, watch this, that whatever you give your attention to, you give life to. Then sit down. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Whatever you give attention to, you give Life too. Show me 2 Samuel. I like it down here. Wait, show me 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 5. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 5. You guys doing all right? Amen. Hallelujah. There it goes. And when King David, I got to put some substance under this because it sounds good, but it's got to be Bible, right? And when King David came to Barum, or Barurim, some of these words, praise the Lord. Behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, King Saul, the previous king actually, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed until, or cursed still as he came. Next verse. Now, mind you, he's cursing the king. Then he cast stones at David. So if cussing at him wasn't enough, he started throwing rocks at him. And at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right and on his left. Now, if you read it in the NIV, the Bible says that immediately when this man started doing this, that, that David's men flanked to the right and they flanked to the left. In other words, the king had a security team. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And they mobilized immediately. Watch this now. And thus said Shimei, when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, 
in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. Watch this now. Then Abishai. Abishai is the commander, watch this, of David's security team. So the commander of the security team say, watch this. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, unto the king. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee. Let me do it, king. And take off his head. Now, now, somebody with an immature perspective would have said, yeah, get him. Get him real good for me too. But because David's perspective is seasoned with experience, he understands he's being tested to determine whether or not he's ready for the next level in his life because he understands, watch this, that if I'm going to stay on purpose, I can't fix everything and I can't fix everybody. So I have to assess the situation and then I have to determine as I assess, is this connected to my purpose? And if it is not connected to my purpose, then we're going to keep it moving. Notice the rest of it. And the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse. Some of you are like, oh, you can't let him talk to you like that. Watch this. Let him curse. Now this will mess anybody up. Because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. Sometimes that thing that is sent, the Lord allows to test your perspective, to test your spiritual growth, to determine, hallelujah, whether you have the capability to stay on purpose and not allow, watch this, the plan of the enemy to divert you away from purpose to work. Are you in this place? So let me ask you the question, is your perspective seasoned with experience? Or is your perspective bland and immature? Can I submit to you that when I first started in leadership, I had a perspective that felt like I had to fix everything. And everything that was negative or every negative thing that was said and everybody's opinion, I had to go and try to fix. That'll happen when your perspective is immature. But when you begin to understand, hallelujah, and get a little experience in perspective, you begin to realize that you're not supposed to fight every battle. God, help me in here. You have to assess the situation and make sure it's connected to purpose. Because if it's not connected to purpose, it will deviate you away from your purpose. And there's always going to be people that are going to come, hallelujah, to try to buy for your time in order to get you to waste your time. Are you in this place, church? And so let me ask you the question one last time. Is your perspective seasoned with experience? Amen? You'll miss moments if it's not. This is why Jesus tells those disciples, lift your eyes, for the harvest is white right now. But they couldn't see it. Are you blessed in here, church? Ooh, God, help me in this place. My assignment right now is to preach the word. Amen? I'm going to come back down. <laughs> I'm looking at me funny. I'm going to come back down. So watch this. 
as I'm preaching the word, let's just say I get off purpose and I come up to somebody and I go, hey, how you doing, man? I didn't know you were here. So good to see you today. As I'm doing that, now everybody in the room wants to know who this is. You want to know who he is? You want to know why? Because I just made him important the minute I gave him my attention. The minute I gave him my attention, I made him important. And whatever you give your attention to, you make important. God, help me in here. And so if it's not connected to your purpose, don't make it important. The best thing you could do is walk away, turn your back, hallelujah, and keep it Hallelujah. The religious people were always buying for Jesus' time. And Jesus would deal with them to a certain extent until, as long as it was connected with his purpose. Amen. Concerning them. But oftentimes when they tried to squeeze him and put a lot of pressure on him, the Bible would say things like, and he opened not his mouth. He wouldn't say anything. And there are going to be people, hallelujah, that will press and pull on you, watch this, by, by saying things, watch this, that seemingly require a response. But somebody who has a seasoned perspective can assess it very quickly and determine whether it's connected to their purpose and either say nothing or keep it moving. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah. Jesus tells the disciples, watch this, the harvest is white right now. And, and you have to understand this because we don't, we don't announce the obvious. If Jesus is saying it, it's because apparently to them, it's not obvious. They can't see it. And so Jesus has to reiterate, listen, the harvest is white right now. And somebody in here needs to hear the word of the Lord, hallelujah, because you're in this place and you're, you're seemingly in a place where you don't see your way clear, hallelujah. But I hear God saying, watch this, just because it doesn't look white to you does not mean it's white. It's not white. In other words, it is white. And if you're not careful, you can be in the best season of your life and miss it because you can't see it. And so he says, lift your eyes so that you can see that you're in a moment hallelujah and that you're in the best days of your life even right now the problem with us is see we 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 have faith for the future many of us have faith for the future but if your faith is limited to the future Jesus is going to rebuke you listen to what he told them he told them do not say four months and then the harvest He said, lift your eyes and look. Oh, can you perceive purpose? Lift your eyes and look. The harvest is ready right now. And I don't know who I'm talking to, hallelujah, but that's a word from the Lord for you. You're right smack in the middle of the best moment of your life. Don't miss it, hallelujah. Don't miss your harvest on account of haters. And watch this, don't miss your harvest on account of hesitation. Now, I don't mean to sound contradictive because a moment, a moment ago I, I said, be careful or be aware of the danger of trying to do it on your own. And so this is where perception is so important because you got to sense uh, the nowness of God. You got to be able to, to, to perceive when it's harvest time. When it's not, you wait on the Lord. But when you get the nod from God, you move. And if you don't move, hallelujah, procrastination will never produce purpose. I said procrastination will never 
produce purpose. If you're in this place, shout glory. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I would, dare somebody, I would dare tell somebody, even prophetically in this place, you're entering a reaping season right now. I said, you're entering, I wish I had somebody in here that would just grab hold of the word of God by faith. Watch this. You're entering a reaping season right now. Put that scripture back up there. John 4 and verse 35. I want to show you something. John 4 and 35. Hallelujah, Jesus. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Next verse. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Next verse. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, another reapeth. Next verse. Listen to what he's saying. This is a word for somebody. I sent you. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. In other words, somebody is about to reap, hallelujah, not out of what you sowed, but out of what somebody else sowed. And Jesus said, I'm sending you to enter a time of reaping. God, help me here. It could be the past generation that sold something for this generation. Hallelujah. But how many of you know that God will do it? Hallelujah. One waters. Hallelujah. One plants. This is why on another occasion he said, I'll give you houses you didn't build. I'll give you vineyards you didn't plant. Hallelujah. I'll make somebody else put in the labor and then you'll enter into it. If you're blessing, here, shall glory. Hallelujah. Let me move. How many of you are familiar with the story of Ruth? You know the story of Ruth. She's a Moabitess. She's a Gentile. Hallelujah. She's in Israel. Watch this now. She's, she's gone through a rough time. Amen. Lost her husband. She, she's going through a rough time. Amen. The Bible lets us know that once she gets in the field of Boaz... Now, for those of you who don't know, Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ in this story. Amen. He's the owner of the field. Once she gets in the field of Boaz, she starts receiving provision. Put, I think it's the next point. Put my next point up there real quickly. When you get in purpose, provision is sent on purpose. Help me, yes. I said, when you get... In purpose, provision is sent on purpose. If you know the story like I do, when she gets in Boaz's field, Boaz sees her. She gets his attention. He tells his reapers while they are collecting the harvest, as she comes, drop handfuls for her on purpose. Somebody shout purpose. Drop handfuls for her on purpose. Why? Because she's in purpose. God, help me in here. I'm submitting to you, hallelujah, that the greatest thing you could ever walk in is not even money. It's purpose. If you can ever get in purpose, money will never be an option. Never make money the destination. Money is transportation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That gets you to the destination. And money is always rooted in purpose. Are you in this place, church? Oh, God, have mercy. Watch, and the thing I love about the text is that it doesn't say that he dropped a handful. It says that he dropped handfuls. 
In other words, he left a trail for her. It was an incentive uh, to tell her, just keep on coming, just keep on, <laughs> just keep on coming. Why? Because God didn't want her to make the mistake to get stuck in a stage where all she reaped, hallelujah, was what somebody else was dropping. Because God's intention was to give her the whole field. God, help me in here. And while I can take a minute, hallelujah, and give God praise for the people that he has placed in my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That, 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 that reaped and dropped handfuls for me on purpose, hallelujah. Listen, I thank God for great men of God uh, who, who mentored me. I thank God, hallelujah, for great family. I thank God, hallelujah, for the word of God. I thank God for being able to study. I thank God, hallelujah, for all the great sermons I've listened to because I've been able to glean from them all. But God's intention for me is to take me into my own harvest. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. So watch this. I want to submit to somebody that with every blessing God sends, just snatch it up. Just snatch it up. Just snatch it up and keep on moving. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in this place? Can I take it a little bit deeper before we go? Amen. Put my next point up there. I'm going to speak out of experience, okay? Pain and passion are twins that come out of the same womb together. I said pain and passion come out of the same womb together. You can't have one. Let me help you in here. You cannot have one without the presence of the other. They are prerequisites to purpose. Are you hearing me in this place, church? Oh, God, help me in here. How many of you know that passion helps you discover your purpose, but passion hurts? Watch this. So, so people lose purpose and lose passion, watch this now, because they realize that it hurts to care. God, help me in here. It hurts to care. So watch this. As long as I don't care, it don't hurt. But if I care, it hurts. Now, watch this. If you walk out on me, can I be transparent in here? If you walk out on me and I don't care, bye. <laughs> but if you walk out on me, and I care, that hurts. God have mercy in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what most people, watch this, so what most people do to resolve the pain is that they give up on their passion and they stop caring in order to numb the pain. I said they give up on their passion and they stop caring in order to numb the pain. And so now, watch this, you're not necessarily feeling the pain, but the passion is gone, and so is the purpose. And so we build walls to protect us from the pain, but those same walls we build to protect us from the pain have imprisoned us from our purpose. Are you blessed in here, church? Why? Because you can't bear the pain of your passion. 
And you need to realize that passion and pain are twins. And you can't have one without the other. Let me put some more substance on that. In the beginning, God told Eve when sin came into the picture. You remember this? He said, through much travail and sorrow, you will bring forth children. What's the principle? Here's the principle. You cannot birth anything without pain. You cannot produce anything without pain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If it's worth producing, it's going to experience pain. God, have mercy in this place. If it's worth pushing out, expect it to hurt. <laughs> if it's worth pushing out, expect it to hurt. And if it didn't hurt, you didn't really have anything. Are you in this place? Man, I need, to I need you to hear me in the spirit. Because while you can't be literally pregnant, you can be spiritually pregnant with destiny. So hear this preacher. Amen? Now, I need a woman to help me out here who's a mama. Once you are pregnant, if you want to see that promise, you have to go through the pain. Once you are pregnant, if you want to see that promise, you have to go through the pain. You're not going to birth anything without pain. You will go through a desert before you get to the promised land. You can't just put on the garment of praise without first experiencing the spirit of heaviness to trade. God help me in here. Hallelujah. He cannot be your healer if you were never sick. You cannot have a breakthrough until you were first locked up. And he can't pull you out if you're never in a pit. It's, ama it's amazing to me because like Moses will say something like, God, show me your glory. And then God will put you in a hard place so that he can show you his glory. But we don't like the hard place. Check it. Exodus 33. Moses says, show me your glory. We like that. We sing it. Show me your glory. But then God says, get in the rock. That's a hard place. And there's more to it than that because... That place is also Jesus, but get in the rock. It was a rock with a hole in it, a rock that was pierced. He said, there's a place by me. Yeah, right now, no man can see me and live. But if you get in that place, I'll pass by and let you see me. Yeah, I can't, I can't go there. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch this. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now watch this. They're offering him food, which is sustenance, right? Which is necessary. And he says, mine is better. Watch this. You know you're in purpose when your purpose is more important than food. I'm getting sporadic hand claps right now. You hear those? When your purpose tells food to wait, because if, oh boy. When your purpose tells sleep to wait, God help me in here. 
if purpose and sleep, if, if food and sleep are more important, you haven't found it yet. But when you're really walking in purpose, you'll tell food to wait because you know you got to fast. And God, help me in here. And you'll tell sleep to wait too. Are you blessed, church? It's passion for living. Last week I talked to you about levels of living. Amen. And I said that the, the lowest level of living was survival. Some of us are just surviving. You're not living. You're just existing. You're punching in. You're punching in that, 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 that time clock and living for the weekend. That's survival. Unfortunately, that's where most people find themselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The next level I said was success. Amen. And while success is good, that ain't the highest level of living. Success says, watch this, hallelujah, I've been able to do good for myself. I've stored up, hallelujah, I can can drink, eat, and be merry. I've obtained some things, some some, some possessions that have caused me to live comfortably. But can I submit to you, hallelujah, that there are people that are rich committing suicide? And there are people, hallelujah, who have many possessions and are wealthy and are strung out on drugs. And they are successful. That is not the highest level of living. The highest level of living is significance. Is significance. When you are walking in significance, you know why you wake up in the morning. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. I said, you know why you wake up in the morning because you're living not just in purpose, on purpose. Are you blessed in here, church? Woo. You realize, hallelujah, and you know that you were a purpose before you were a person. See, some of you, oh, that's how purposeful your God is. You were a purpose before you were a person. Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I already knew thee and sanctified thee and separated thee, a prophet unto the nations. Watch this. Before you had a frame, you had a purpose. And when you had a purpose, then I created a frame to house the purpose. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Hallelujah. You didn't just get here by happenstance. You didn't get here, hallelujah, simply because your mama and your daddy started dating, hallelujah, and sharing a a milkshake and drinking out of the same straw. God had a purpose before they got together. The psalmist said, it was God who carefully knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, God, help me in here. Away with this, away with this foolishness that secularism teaches. You know, that according, hallelujah, to evolution, man is one step above the primate. One step above the ape or the monkey. But according to scripture, man is one step under the angels. Oh, God, help me here. Uh, my Bible says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Ooh, blesses my soul. God's thinking about me. No matter if you're not thinking about me. God is thinking about me. God is so into me. Watch this now. That the Bible says, and I shared it with you last week, the hairs on your head are numbered. Numbered. Not counted. 
numbered. Counted means he knows how many I have on my head. Numbered means that if one fell off, he can look at it and say 454,236 just fell off my child's head. Did you hear what I just said? And, and you might be in here, you're trying to be smart, and you might say to yourself, oh, but what you don't understand, Pastor, is that I shaved this morning. But what you didn't understand is that when you shaved, heaven adjusted their records. God, help me in here, because that's how into you, heaven. He knows my thoughts are far off. That's crazy and scary. He knows my thoughts of as they're coming to me, he snatches them. They go through him to me. That's why nobody will run up here and volunteer to put the thoughts they had all week up on these screens. <laughs> Are you listening here? I got to move on. I'm, I'm running out of time. Uh, Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9. Hallelujah. Before I read this text, let me just submit this to you. If you could stop what you're doing and be happy, you do not have passion for what you're doing. If you could stop what you're doing and be happy, you do not have passion for what you're doing. Because when you have passion for what you're doing, you can't see yourself doing nothing else. And if they stopped you from doing it, you'd die. If I couldn't preach, I'd die. You don't hear what I'm saying in here. Watch this. Let me say this. Listen to what this text says. A man's heart deviseth his way. One translation said plans his way. A, man plans, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now I need you to hear me now. What does that mean? That means that God is saying, I'm not directing any man that doesn't have a plan. It got quiet. I'm not directing the steps of anybody who does not plan. Ooh, it's quiet. I want to end on a high note. Watch this. What does that mean? Let me start by saying this. God doesn't just want you to be employed. He wants you to be deployed. I said God doesn't just want you to be employed. He wants you to be deployed. He wants you to release, watch this, your fullest potential. So that you can be all that he's created you to be and not just float around, watch this, while others are simply hiring you for your gifts. Are you in this place? Can I take it a step further? And this is a word for somebody in this place. What you're carrying is so valuable that it should not be prostituted by a salary. I said, what you're carrying is so valuable, it's too valuable to be prostituted by a salary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to be careful how you define salary. Because you understand what a salary is. A salary is somebody, watch this, trying to dictate your worth. That's why they're only giving you so much. So you need to gain perspective on the word salary. Now, I know everybody in here is working. Everybody in here probably has a salary. My question is, how do you view that salary? My challenge to you is not to let your salary dictate your value. 
In other words, you should view your salary, God help me in here, as a token of appreciation for the work, the great work that you are bringing in that they can't really afford to pay you for. So they just give you a token, God help me in here, of their appreciation. But you don't let them dictate your worth by what they determine you should get. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels, hallelujah. That's why I see salary as a token of appreciation, watch this. And I also view myself as working, watch this, with you and not just for you. And while I'm doing that, I'm planning. And while I'm doing that, I'm planning. Because God has more for me. My Bible says that he shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. You think your job is supposed to supply all your needs, but your job is just seed. So that you can sow. So that God can multiply what you sow and supply all your needs. Then are you guys doing all right? We got to go. Hallelujah. My God. No pilot, no, listen, no pilot takes off without first submitting what is referred to as a flight plan. The pilot is responsible for the flight plan. After he submits the flight plan, he then shares that information with the tower or the surrounding towers in several airports so that they can help him with direction. God, help me in here. So watch this. You plan, God directs. You're responsible to make a plan. A man's heart devises his plan, but the Lord directs his steps, but I'm not directing the steps of anybody who ain't got a plan. Ooh. That's why as the high priest of my house or the head of my house, because what good is a head if you ain't going nowhere? Why would a woman follow? I won't go there. I'm, I can't open that up. I can't. Because I'm, I'm end on a bad note, and I don't want to do that. Are you blessed in here? Let me end with this. Worship team, you could come up here. Watch this. Let me end with this. Do I got any mamas in here who have had children? Now, you know, I know. I was there to witness my four babies, and I know it hurts. Amen? And I don't want to downplay it. I don't want to downplay it. But let's just be honest in here. With technology today... We can ease the pain a little bit, a little bit. That's not Eve's testimony, though. Eve didn't have the technology, okay? So, so, so today, you know, like I remember through all, <laughs> through all our babies. She's not here? Good. Okay. I remember through all our mamas here, though, so I better watch out. <laughs> through all our babies, I remember holding her hand, you know, Hey, honey, you can do it. You can do it. You're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then I'm flipping ice chips in her mouth. You, you want another ice chip? Come on, girl. Come on. And, and she was like, leave me 
alone. I was like, I had to discern, who oh, am I messing with now? Um, I didn't recognize that voice. Wait. Watch this. Y'all messing me up. Wait. Listen. I, I, I just cater to me for a moment. I'm going to think out loud. I don't think Eve was thrilled about Adam holding her hand. And she ain't have no epidural. She ain't have none of that. Okay. I, I see Eve going, get off me. And then looking at Adam and saying, and we ain't doing this again. (laughs) Watch this, because of the pain. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you will let the pain talk you out of your purpose. But God knew that, so look at your God. So then God establishes something where he says this about the woman, and her desire shall be for her husband. Why, why, why? So that after the pain, the passion comes back. So she can do it again. Remember, I said passion and pain are twins. Watch this. And the thing is that she does do it again because passion is just as strong as pain. God, help me in here. And that's why... When they take out that little baby and they put it on mama's bosom, the pain leaves almost instantly when she sees that baby's face. And then she looks at her husband and kind of like reaches for him. Which means the passion is back. So what I love about, listen, I've learned not to never underestimate the power of the strength of a woman. Because a woman understands that those swollen ankles, the the weight gain, the, the, the blotches on her face is not anything that she can opt out of. She understands that the nausea, the dizziness, and the sickness, watch this, that those symptoms, those are not a crisis. Those are part of the promise. Those are part of the promise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She's not. She endures it. Knowing the promise is on its way. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. And I have more for you, but I think I'm going to leave it alone. Let me just read this off to you. Do you have enough passion to overcome the pain of doing it wrong the first time? Because how many of you know and can be honest that when it comes to purpose, you don't usually get it right the first time? I wish I had real people in here. You usually mess up. You, 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 you get close. You, you see it. If Moses was here, Moses could testify. I, I grew up as an Egyptian, but I never fit in. And when I found out that I was Hebrew by blood, I went to that group and I found out that I really, I really didn't fit in, which is a clear sign 
of a great leader in the making. Because when God is producing a great leader, that leader will always be a misfit. He will be a misfit. In other words, it will be hard for him to fit in any group. Because God is saying, if I let you fit in a group, you can't lead the group you fit in. You'll become too familiar. And I don't need you to be in it. I need you to lead it. And so Moses sees an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. And he's watching the fight, but it's really, it's really an image of the fight that's taking place inside of him because he has not found himself. He's in an identity crisis. It's that thing all teenagers go through when they're trying to find themselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. His action reveals his purpose because he kills the Egyptian and he saves the Hebrew. So his heart leans towards the Hebrew. So watch this. Problem is, he's close, but he's got it wrong because he tries to deliver Israel with his own hand. And the result was exile. 40 years in the back streets of the desert, wondering, where did I go wrong? I had passion for them, but that passion led to pain. And now I don't even know if I ever want to go back because it cost too much. And right when he was about to walk out of destiny, out of purpose, the Bible says, and a burning bush. A burning bush and a voice that calls out of the bush to get his attention. And I don't know who you are in this place, but God sent me to this place to let you know that this message is your burning bush. And that the voice of the Lord is coming through the speakers today to let you know, hallelujah, that you need your passion back. Get over the pain and get the passion, which is equally powerful, and do it again. Do you have the passion to overcome the pain of doing it wrong the first time? Are you blessed in here, church? Come on, somebody give God a praise in here. Come on, somebody give God a real praise in here.